punk rock, street trash, wastelands. And here are your hosts, long-time partners in slime, Adam Obscene and Mark and Mark. Hello listeners and losses, this is Adam Obscene and you are listening to Wastelands and with me as always is the mighty, 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 Mark and Mark. Adam Obscene, great to be with you. Thank you for that introduction. That's awesome. I always like to like mix it up so you just leave you hanging on the edges. Is it going to stop now? Is it going to stop now? Is it going to stop now? Is it this is one? It, is it this one? Is it? Is oh, like, man. Is it? Uh, Marco, uh, we're going to do a film today, which yes. kind of popped up because of the director so we who directed Leprechaun. Uh, Three and four, the mm-hmm. outstanding Leprechaun in space. Lawson, as if you didn't catch that episode, go back, <laughs> go back, go back, go back. Uh, but this is we'll go deeper into the director, but let's check out this most outstanding trailer from 1986. Love it. Here now, the news for July 4th, 1995. In the wake of widespread economic collapse, officials are reporting massive general strikes. In the 1970s, there was Clockwork Orange. Then in the 1980s came Mad Max and the Road Warrior. Now comes a startling new vision that takes you into the apocalypse and beyond. Back to the old drive-in you used to know and love. Only now, when the show is over, there is no way out. Dead end drive-in. Right now. Not getting through to you, am I, son? No cabs, no buses, no transport. So, you're here, you're here, you're here. here. The government decides what to do with you. Government, 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 government. This is your home. You can't tell me they don't want to get out. Yeah, but they know they can't, son. There's no future. No future. Come with me. Jimmy, can't you see? This is all we've got. Get out of here. And don't you try and stop me again. Now get out of the way! Hey! Stop it! Stop it! Welcome to your future. Like it or not. Dead end drive-in. Dead and driving. <laughs> you know what was hilarious about that, Adam, is that I couldn't hear it the whole time, but you were rocking out to it. I love it. I love it. You couldn't hear it. Oh. I couldn't hear it. But I, I, I have watched it, and I've watched the trailer before, and of course the movie. Uh, I couldn't hear it, but watching you rock out to it, and just like going, yeah. That was um, even better. You know what's great about that that trailer is that um, is the, the what's really cool about that trailer is that it's it's got a really good synth sort of pop soundtrack to it. Yeah, that yeah. <clears throat> if you, if you didn't know better, you'd think it was Serge Sparknik doing the um, you know the the soundtrack. Which and this movie, Dead in Drive In from nineteen eighty six, really does channel that neon sub set future like it's like what happens yes. you know what happens if everything goes wrong economic dis- decline you know famine food shortages water all the stuff we know in a post-apocalyptic 
Yeah. But then we're going to like go almost cyberpunk kind of you know, Blade yeah. Runner. Not that this is like Blade Runner, but it's got that, no. that sort of like over polluted, barren urban wastelands, you know, with a, a light sprinklings of heavy makeup, hairspray, and neon. Yep. Fantastic. And, and that's what you get when you actually subscribe up for Dead End Drive In. Um, yeah. Well, I was, I was down at getting something from uh, Cash Converters at Collingwood on Friday, and that pretty much just dis- described it exactly. That's hilarious, dude. Um, it's, it, it would not be unfathomable to comprehend that this fits in the same timeline as Mad Max 1. That yeah, this, yeah, the sort of uh, police state, almost like um, over controlling government. It's almost like this might have been a precursor to society is starting to crumble, and then yes. Mad Max is then Mad Max One is like the next alliteration, and then then Road Warrior goes. Yep. you know, and I and I guess that it's this movie is way deeper than it has any right to be. Like it actually, yes. it actually you think, oh, it's just a B grade exploitation Australian schlocker. But yeah. it's um it's it's a hell of a lot more deep. And I think um Lawson, I'll just fill you in on we'll fill you in on the vitals of the of the show and then we can jump into it. So Dead End Drive in nineteen eighty six, it has a five point nine IMDB rating, which is a three thousand four hundred and eleven people have rated it. Doesn't have a critic rating um, on Rotten Tomatoes, mainly because of its obscurity. I think it, you know it's an, it's an exploitation flick that's very cult loved, but not necessarily mm-hmm. got the wide ranging uh, critical acclaim that it deserves. So rightly deserves, I might add, <laughs> sounding like the uh, the movies with Adam Obscene. Uh, and then it has a forty three um, percent audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That's over a thousand. Uh, ratings there. We mentioned before, Brian Trenchard-Smith is the director who brought us amazing things like Turkey Shoot and Leprechaun 3 and 4 and <laughs> Being Expanded's <laughs> and uh, The Man yeah. from Hong Kong. He's like firmly, squarely in the middle of exploitation genre cult status you know yeah, you know, yeah. We, i think we've mentioned in previous episodes uh, tarantino's on record at saying that um that's yeah that that uh trenchard smith is one of his favorite australian directors more so this film is his is tarantino's favorite um trenchard smith yeah. film so yeah and, and you, you can, can sort see, of see why you know there's definitely there's definitely tarantino-esque um Elements that in his yeah. films that she's drawn from this for sure, yeah, for sure. He he mentions it actually in the DVD sort of extras of of um, Death Proof mm. that um, this movie, of course, Mad Max, Australian exploitation movies, and um, American movies like um, Vanishing Point, Point and like. Uh, sort of illegal road movies um, of the 70s, like all mixed together, helped him put together Death Proof, but especially this director and Mad Max. Um, and I think that that's interesting that George Miller and Brian Trenchard-Smith have that place in in uh, in Tarantino's sort of wheelhouse. Um, 
they even interviewed Tarantino in that a great exploitation documentary, Not Quite Hollywood, which he goes even further in depth about, and that's all about the glorious nature of Australia's love affair with the car. Which that's cool. This movie totally does have. Um, I love the fact that – so the, the general synopsis is in 1995, young – a health nut named Krabs and his girlfriend Carmen um, become a prisoner in a drive-in, the Star Drive-in, um, mm-hmm. that has become a concentration camp, <laughs> basically, <laughs> um, uh, for outcast teenagers. So the government have effectively uh, commandeered all the drive-ins across the the country. Um, yep. The kids don't know this. They go in for their normal Friday night movie um, and the gates lock behind them and they don't get out and that's how they yep. keep. And uh, there's a subtle there's a subtle little bit in this film, which I don't know if you picked up, Marco, is that there's two fees. There's the $10 mm-hmm. entry and the unemployed entry. So $10 is for oh, if you're yeah. employed or normal. And then there's the unemployed, which is $3.50. And at the yeah. start, you know, uh, Krabs and Carmen rock up in their 57 Chevy, which is his brother's car. Yep. And, you know, even though Krabs is employed as a delivery man, um, he, he says, oh, you know, Two tickets, please, and he and he goes and he goes, he goes unemployed, and you know the Tomo, the uh, the owner knows he's going, you know, yeah, whatever, you know, goes through. But yeah. what happens then is that when they go in unemployed, their registration numbers are taken down, and you don't know if you picked it up, but the coppers when they go through the actual lots, you know, look yeah. at registration, and that's what dictates if you can leave or not. If you ah, so you're if you, right. So if you're unemployed. You don't get out. You have to stay. Because, oh. and I only picked this up a little bit, like just to fill in that myth or that that okay. that vision is that because the car park is that has lots of people in it at night, but mm-hmm. in the morning when they you know they can't get out, there's not a, because those ones some people are allowed to leave. Yeah, but the reason, and you go well, if what stops you from leaving? Um, you know, you know, if you, yeah. what stops you is that you know, in Krabs's case, the coppers nicked his t- tires off his Chevy, so he couldn't, get, yeah. so he couldn't get out. It, so when they reported yeah. it, Tomo says, "Oh, you're gonna have to spend the night." Yeah, yeah. So your incarceration happens through pure, um, you know, manipulated situation. Yep, yep. So, um. This world hmm. is interesting because I love the start of this is that, you know, he's a health nut. He's jogging. You know, he has a yep. run-in with some cowboy punks. Um, there's a new wave yep. soundtrack. Um, but his brother is a towie and he's yes. training up to become a tow driver, but he's too small. And the dialogue between him, his brother and um, Krabs is hilarious. Yeah. Like they're in the gym at home at the start of the film and, and Krabs is doing the punching bag thing. And his brother, I think his name's brother's Frank, comes down and, he goes and does two presses of barbells. He goes, fuck yeah. it, I'm strong enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's that Aussie delivery too. It's straight like like straight faced. It's so straight yeah. up funny. And you know, their mum isn't it, you know, they're from Italian descent, so their mum is all about the pasta and feeding up and she's just like, you know, you yeah. why why you try so hard? You know, you you Jimmy, you're so you're so little like your father. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like every every conversation in in Australia with with, with European descent parents. 
probably sounded yeah. exactly like that. In the exactly like 80s, that. Yeah, yeah. Late 80s, yeah. early It 70s. had that realness of the castle. Yeah. That, that din- dinner table talk of like movies like The Castle that obviously came so far after it. Which, but, is, um, which is funny because it's in the future, right? But it's like, yeah. it's, but it's, it's clearly a sort of future where things didn't develop beyond 1984. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure, for which is, sure. Which is, I love it. Like, it's such a point in time. Um, so, basically, that's the scenario where he wants to be a toey. He's, you know, the scenes where um, they race to a tow scene and the first scene is a, 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 a fatality five-car pile-up and, you know, they've got it. They said, we've got to deal with the car boys, the cowboys, um, and the police. And yeah. so, his brother runs up and he goes, you know, Frank Miller for Miller towing, claiming all three on site. And then the next yeah. guy goes, I'm claiming all three. And then they have go to have a punch up. Like, it's this thing about just like getting the cars, like, yeah, which is yeah. hilarious because it, it's not too far from the truth in Australia with towies, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, there's an accident, 14 tow trucks all turn up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everyone wanting to claim the fee. And and so you've got, you know, and even to the point where, you know, there's bodies hanging out of the cars, the coppers are, you know, and the news turn up, it's all it's all fatalities, it's all brutal. And at the end, Frank um, goes over and gets the guy hanging out of the car to give him a pen saying, uh, permission to take your car away, and makes him sign yeah. it. <laughs> makes him sign it and he's nearly dead. Oh, it's so brutal, but so oh. spot on. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of like, and then it basically gets into um, them being trapped into into the drive-in. Um, yeah, and it sort of decays from there because he would be seen. He wouldn't be what you would call. Um, you wouldn't call you wouldn't call him the degenerate like that. He he he's noticeably different to the other kids in. The drive-in, yeah. like he's got passion. Yeah. He, he's he's a health nut. He wants to, you know, do better. He wants to, and it's only through a misdemeanor of him trying to, you know, not pay full price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that he's stuck there. In saying that, his girlfriend is a runaway, um, mm. and she, and funnily enough, she is the runaway, and she is sort of the naughty girl, and she does actually ends up assimilating to that culture within the drive-in and liking it, and that becomes yeah. a divide between him. He and her, um, yeah. Because there's this interesting thing I've read that you know, my take on they're in there, but how do they keep the kids? You know, the whole thing about how they stop them writing is like yeah. really. You know, this is where the film gets really deep. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll just park that for two seconds because I just realised. Okay. I wanted to talk quickly about who's in it. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right, so you've got Ned Manning, who plays Krabs. Um, he was in a couple of movies, uh, Bodyline. Remember that cricketing movie? I do indeed. It was massive in the 80s, right? It was like, yep. you know, it was all about the, uh, for our international, uh, or not, or maybe American, it's, it's a cricketing movie, and it was this, this uh, controversy in Australian international cricket when um, you would bowl, the bowling would actually aim at the body to try and take the the, the key cricketer out, um, yep. batsman out. Um, yep. So it and it would not. It would basically you were they were aiming to hurt so that then oh you're out and then we can beat you. Yeah. There was a yeah. there's a there's a bit of cricket nerdness in there for the, the cricketing cl- fans. Yes. 
And the classic quote from that, which one of you bastards called this bastard a bastard? Yes, that's a classic. I've forgotten about that line. Yeah, classic, classic, classic Aussie yes. movie quote there. Um, and then you've, he was also Paul in a country practice for like 11 years. And you know, so the country practice is another Australian soap uh, that we you know, <laughs> talk about regularly. Because country of practice. A lot of country practice pops up a lot when you talk about exploitation, Australian exploitation films, because a lot <laughs> of the actors that are in these films end up doing the rounds through the Australian yeah. soaps. So, oh, you know, man, it's so funny. It's so funny. Natalie McCurry is in this one and speaking. I of, drove past Burrigan once. Did you? Anyway. It was, isn't it Berrigan? <laughs> Berrigan. It's underwater now anyway. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, Muldoon's wing. Well, to the Muldoon wing. <laughs> We've just totally lost every non-Australian listener just then. The, lost the, you know, what his dick's talking about. Um, <laughs> So John Car- Stamos working at the Muldoon wing, did yeah, you say? Yeah, that's it. He's a he's in, he's a pinstriper, candy striper. Yeah. <laughs> Not a pinstriper. That's something different. There would have been pinstripers in this movie. Uh, yeah, Emily McCurry. She was actually also in a Country Practice and Home and Away and a bunch of those ones. But she oh. um, was also in this really awesome American produced sci fi TV series that was in 1993 called Time Tracks, which was actually filmed in mm. Brisbane, dude. And it's about a time-traveling cop going back in time to solve crimes and shit. Um, yeah, makes yeah. – yep. And I think that's I the synopsis, that. going back in time to cr- solve crimes and shit. Um, yeah, that's all, you can get a T-shirt with that on yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, which I find interesting because it's in 93 to 94. This movie set in 95. So, you know, she uh, actually ended up starring in a time-traveling – anyway, yeah, let's not go into that weird rabbit hole. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Peter Whitford, uh, who plays Tomo, he was the, I guess, the warden drive-in yep. owner. He, um, he's great. So he's really cool, and he's a familiar face on Australian television. He played Jono in um, Bullpit, which is the Kingswood Country sequel. <laughs> he was like the Ford driving dude that <laughs> that uh, Ted Bullpit's nemesis because he was a Holden man. Yes. Um, and he would say he was a weird neighbour. And I think there was a joke in that weird always man. about um, that he always drove an ex-cab because, you know, Fords are always ex-cabs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then he also was um, – <laughs> basically was everything for, everything in from a country practice to mother and son. Oh, you know, fuck. Been, <laughs> been, I say Arthur. Yeah. He's been in everything. Uh, and then Gary... Mother and son. I know. Gary who? Um, who? Who who you say? What? So Gary who's a copper. Do you remember Gary who? He was in that movie, He was in that TV show All Together Now with John English. He was like the oh weird, the campy God. uncle. And it was that movie that um, Steve Jacobs... Uh, oh. I'm sorry, international listeners. This is going to be so Australian and so many cross-references. Yeah, yeah. You're probably tuned out now, but it doesn't matter. That's funny. Um, that's right. Tarantino, don't forget, T- Quentin Tarantino likes this shit too. Yeah, so that's right. He was also – this is funny though because Gary Who played a copper in this movie, but then years later he reprised a policeman's role in um, Fat Pizza and Housos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which I swear is almost the exact same character that he plays. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's – I did mention before that it has a really great synth wave, sort of new wave soundtrack. It does. So I did a bit of a deep dive. It's got um, the Hunters and collect- Collectors on it. It's got – Hunters and Collectors, it's great. It's got Kids in the Kitchen. 
Oh, yeah. Um, but probably the most notable track that it's a song that I really like is um, Heart on Fire by the Mechagnations. It's the, oh, the track yeah. when, when they're doing the. Um, when he's doing the sort of workout at mid uh, in the dusk and it's like really sweaty and hot and yeah, that yeah. came from their 1995 album Big Music. But that song, I really like. You could not have picked a better track to set the scene of this movie. Like it was like for sure. It's got synth in it. It's got a new new romantic sort of wave. It's it's typical Australian, you know, yeah. new wave pop pop post. Yep. Punk, post Radio Birdman, post The Saints. This is, you know, the yep. Bert, think Lostner's in excess. What was happening in Australia? You know, you saw in excess the world. What was happening in Australia was this, was this inspired scene of similar and just as innovative, interesting oh. new wave bands. It was a really great time. Oh my god, yeah. Eighty. Just Google eighties pub rock and you and just look up a list of bands. Our overseas friends. And um and just go for it. Take it from us. There is more to Australian eighties music than ACDC and In Excess. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Hey, like like I said uh, in one of our previous Halloween episodes, Screaming Tribesmen. They're up there with some of the best of them. And I think that this is probably a nice loop around, isn't it? Because the music yeah. makes this film. Like this film, um, oh, Trenchard Smith really did this thing, which um, Tarantino was known for now which is like he curated a soundtrack mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. contemporary australian music to go with yeah. a futuristic film which actually was yeah. commentating commentating was a commentary on yeah. um on what australian australian society was like at the time and actually yeah. a, a bit of a um an indicator of things to come too which i you know which is the bit we're going to get into right now is mm. mike do you think that the way the way they pacified the 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 kids in this this drive in yeah. was really interesting, right? Because yep. in any other situation, if you were caught kept, that uh, they had in all senses probably the resources to get out if they wanted to, mm-hmm. but they kept them in there. And I reckon that they used the use the things of new wave music or punk rock, junk food, yep. um, drugs, exploitation films on rotation. Yeah, um, to keep them in there, and just yep. when they thought that it was getting like the kid, the the the, the masses were getting a little bit edgy, they introduced racism. Ah, uh, and this is yeah. where I'm going to go because there is a bit in this film we go when you first watch it and on the social, oh, that's a little uncomfortable. <clears throat> and what happens is the kids are all starting to get agitated. Crabs is like you know trying to get out. Everyone's sort of really going, oh, well, maybe there's something in it. Neck minute. Yep. The government rolls in a truck through full of Asian uh, young people to be mm-hmm. into that community, and you watch all the white middle class unemployed kids band together yep. and focus yep. all of their attention on the newcomers. And, yeah, right. And, and, yep. and, yep. and I think that that was a real and like uh, Trenchard Smith was actually the the. The actual um, producers in the uh, New World Cinema wanted him to take it out, and he stuck to his guns because he said it was actually a really important commentary for him because mm-hmm. it was about distraction and awe. You know, yeah. So yeah. the idea was that the focus they focused they introduced an enemy, a perceived mm-hmm. enemy to the kids, so that they would put all the energy on that, and it also brought in the all of a sudden there, this territorialism came in that, that this is our place. You can't come in and you know yeah. raid our place. 
But he's like, hang on a second. You're all in a camp. Yeah, you're all in the same place. You're all in the same place. And it can't be – and then just when you go, oh, this is going into a place I'm not really cool with, Crabs as the moralistic beacon yeah. has this confrontation or discussion with um, Carmen where he just basically lays it straight and goes, yep. hang on a second. They're not going to – he goes, oh, I don't like – she goes, I don't like the, the, the all the 50 million Asians and, you know, this is our place and they might rape me. If you were a man, you are going to do something about it. And he just turns around and goes, don't be stupid. What are you talking about? That's not going to yeah. happen. The enemy's not them. The enemy's yeah. the government. Yeah. And yeah. they're feeding you junk food and they're feeding you, you know, drugs and you, you think it's all cool just hang the guys to hang out in the dunnies drinking beer and you hang out and the girls to get your hair done. Yeah, you know, can't you see you're being fooled? And it's that moment in the film where I went, ah, ah. this is you know, this is it's all been building up to that moment of that realization where Crab's getting out. He's actually he he's he's seen through the man. Yep, and yep. here comes back the uh, the the Marco Mark and Adam obscene wastelands wheelhouse of. The little dude sticking it to the man. Sticking <laughs> it to the man, man. Um, and it, look, love it. And I think that, um, and even to the point, there is a great scene when uh, there's a, uh, a uh, one of the new newcomers, an Indian guy, comes in to use the gents, and yep. it looks like he's just to get about get to rolled by the car boys, like the sort of the lead gang in there, um, because he's you know he can't come in and use, and Crab's like bust the bottle and basically just says, leave him alone and stands yeah. up for him. And I just went, yeah, man, I like this dude even more. He's a bit whiny at the start, but hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so, a bit whiny, but he, he, he shaped up after it. Um, the other notable thing, he absolutely kicked the shit out of Wilbur <laughs> Wilde from Hey Hat Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> that, that character needed Oh, he was kicking. Wilbur Wilde, if, oh, if yeah. Wilbur Wilde was a saxophone player for Australian bands and stuff, and he was a resident musician on an Australian variety TV show called Hey Hey It's Saturday, um, yep. noticeable for its um, Harry Chronic Jr. walking out on its, <laughs> its celebrity part where a bunch of people did an interp- interpretation of um, the Jackson 5 and unfortunately oh. blackfaced and um, fortunately – there was Harry Chronic Jr. there to call them out. Um, yeah, that was thank a low, God. There was a low point in that TV series, but there was lots of amazingly good <laughs> stuff. Just type in Hey Ed Saturday. You'll find Chuck Lotto, Pluck a Duck, Red Faces. There's some, there's some weird Dickie Knee. Dickie Knee. There's an os- pink ostrich. There's a m- little man called Daryl Summers. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Wilbur, Wilbur, Wilde, Wilbur Wilde was the resident saxophonist in that, um, and he also had a tilted acting. I use that word oh. very loosely. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, he had a tilt at it. He had a tilt at something. I don't know if it was acting. He was basically in that film to get the shit kicked out of himself. Oh, far out! Which is great. It was really good, and so that scene was quite funny. Um, yes. And the and then when he and when it jumped forward to when he's uh, when Krabs is protecting the Indian uh, immigrant guy. Um, he holds the bottle to. Uh, I think he's. I think uh, Wilbur Wilde's character is Haza. He holds the bottle. He says, "I've already done you once, mate." <laughs> that's right. So yeah, that's um, that's that's that's. I think. Besides, I've got some more here, but I just thought park it there for two seconds, Marco. Mm. 
Yes, I let's realize I've been talking at you for 27 minutes. What did you think uh, about this film? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. I mean, I've just been going along with what you said because you've described it so accurately. It's when um, I went to watch it, like the, the link you sent me on YouTube was the, the thumbnail was a picture of the cover, the VHS cover. And I was just blown away to see that image again. The the VHS front and back cover has been ubiquitous through in your home decoration and in your studios that you've had over the years. That film VHS case that you've probably had since the 80s has was so familiar to me like you have had that on every shelf of every studio every lounge room that you have put together and i was like right fuck we're gonna we're going to podcast about that movie okay and um it didn't disappoint and so much of it knowing you and watching the movie so much of it i could see resonating with you your upbringing that you talked to us about in um, previous episodes, like how did you get into movies? How did you get into skateboarding? How did you get into punk rock? You, you've talked a bit about going to the drive-in theater in um, Seymour in your rural upbringing. And it all just sort of ties in with this movie. And then on top of that, in more current times, you find out that, um, Quentin Tarantino, another one of our and the world's favorite directors, is really into this movie and really into this director. Um, just makes it so much more fun and just so much, um, so much more uh, sort of vindicated to talk about that. Like, yes, the whole time you've known that this is a great movie, um, and more people should watch it and know about it. So it was finally great to to talk about it because I don't know if we watched it together. No, I don't. I think it's one of those ones that might have slipped through the cracks. Mm, um, mm. It's interesting too that it took watching Leprechaun uh, three and four for it to sort of pop back up again because yeah. like it's that thing where um, I have a few of Brian Trenchard Smith's films, you know, yep. because I have a pretty big Ozploitation collection. Um, yep, and I've always watched it, but it's one of those ones that it's sort of like when you're younger, I guess. It's not the one you whack on as a hangover hall of fame because maybe it's actually no. I think it's actually almost a bit too good a film for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. We want um America three thousand or yeah. um Tex- Texas Gladiator Warriors it's, or something. It's definitely more Mad Max than it is America three thousand, that's for sure. Y- yeah, yeah. So, um and that's and uh, like and I do think, and you know, touching on the the racism component of that, growing up as a kid in the eighties in Victoria, regional Victoria, that was a real thing. Like it was yeah. the comment, what that girl, what Carmen was saying, you would hear around every pub and mm-hmm. openly, you know, mm-hmm. because there was just lot, you know, at the time governments were using that. The same way as governments use putting people against each other with offshore detention and, you know, yep. us and them. And in America, they would have experienced the reds under the beds. You know, we had um, yeah. the yeah. fear of Asian immigrants. Um, yeah. And it was used to basically divert the attention of the Australian populace away from what the government was doing mm-hmm. and focus it elsewhere. And Brian yep. Chanchard-Smith did that perfectly. 
And there yeah, was only yeah. a few of us that saw through it at the time, even if we were like 10-year-olds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you got yep. mates, you know, that are Asian, you go, there's nothing wrong with you. What's going on here? Why, yeah. Why is, I, all I the, had, why is all the parents saying this shit? You know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. I had a couple of um, Thai friends through high school, Anu and Manu, shout out. And um, they were legends, absolute legends. I was friends with them after high school as well. So the lived um, experience but, was different to what was going around. Yeah. And that's but we, why I made yeah. a connection with crabs. Not that, you know, not that I had crabs. <laughs> yes. Uh, but pretty much the closer you wind back time and go closer to the Vietnam War and the closer you go back to World War II and the bombing of Darwin and stuff like that, the more Each generation, you've got, yeah, the generations, you've got of, generations yeah. of people who uh, whose fathers or they themselves had been in conflict mm-hmm. with someone in a, an Asian region, or even, the, even worse, they had not had any contact with any Asian or people of colour at all, yet still hated them. And and main, mainly because of a media, a, a government-sponsored media campaign. A to, lot of beat-up. Yeah. So, so that, you know, we're probably wearing our um, our colours pretty clearly on our, on our sleeves and on our chests here, but this is what this movie does, is it calls out at a time when Australia was deep in those sort of segregated um, mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. It's just gone straight, you know, Brian Chenchard Smith has just gone straight through the middle and called it. Yep. And just he did call it. it. He's called bullshit. And yep. years later, it rolls out in, like I mentioned, offshore detentions, and we're still living it. And we're still working through, you know, making it a better place. But good on him for, like, fucking smashing that that message and really setting a moralistic beacon. Yep. And I think for me, this movie as a formative film actually helped me establish, you know, my positioning. On yeah, on that like as amongst many other films about not you know sticking it to the man and getting rid yeah. of the underdog. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's and and where it's at. and fi- finding good things within the wastelands. Look at look at our radio show name. You know, yeah, it's uh, it's it's it, like I said, it's a very narrow wheelhouse, <laughs> <laughs> but we fit in it, and and we and we want to bring the lostners into into that wheelhouse as well. Come and come and ride the tracks with us. Come and ride the tracks in Mad Max. What is it? Slacks two. You know when Angry Anderson <laughs> gets smashed nine oh, times. Oh yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah. Iron Bar. Iron Bar. That's right. Uh, so we've got. I'm just having a quick look at my notes because I'm on my pink legal pad here. Uh, we've got <laughs> we've got some interesting factoids. Let's do some factoids real quick, and then we'll we'll get into wrapping this up. So I did a deep dive. So this story was based on Peter Carey's short story, um, Crabs, from his book, um, The Fat Man in History, from 1979. So it was actually mm-hmm. based on literature, which was cool. Ooh, la la. Um, the other oh, this is one I thought really interesting, and you know, this is really good Easter eggs for the film nerds. Is that how we're saying they were pacifying the kids in the drive-in by a diet of exploitation films. Two films that they show on the screens are two Brian Trenchard films, which oh, yeah. is Turkey Shoot and Man from Hong Kong, which is filmed nice. in the before. Not only did they show Turkey Shoot, they show one of the most infamous scenes of Turkey Shoot, the head-exploding scene. Um, <laughs> and it's because of showing that scene from that movie that this movie got an R rating. 
It's a hell of a oh, so, no. So it's not the content of the movie that got an R rating. It's the movie of a movie shown. Oh. So that, I thought that was a bit obscure and cool. Yeah, that is obscure. Um, there is the scene, first confrontation when uh, Krabs has it with one of the car boys at the front of the Caltech service station. And he goes, give us your shoes, mate. Um, and Krabs goes down and pulls out <laughs> this you know, Sherikin bloody ninja star and throws it at um, Krabs. And Krabs sort of backs out of the way. And the Sherikin yeah. hits straight into a poster of Rambo. But that yes. poster, did you see what the, the title of that Rambo was? No, I, no, I can't remember. It was Rambo 8, Rambo takes Russia, <laughs> which was cool. That's um, great. So also originally New World Cinema were going to dub this um, with American actors like they did yeah. with Bad Max to make it more yeah. palatable for the American audience. And I would say yeah. probably if they achieved that, it may have done it. Um, but have. A, a, and it would have been really interesting to see how they would have interpreted some of the Australian colloquialisms. But unfortunately, or fortunately for us, um, the uh, dub was so bad that they just went, nah, fuck it. <laughs> and they just left it left it as is and released it to American audiences where it made like $63,000 or something, unfortunately. Oh, okay. um, so, oh, yeah, this is, you know, I mean, um, <laughs> Ned Manning, uh, to get the gig... He told Brian Shenshaw Smith that he was 24 because they were meant to be playing teenagers. But yeah. guess how old he actually was at the time, dude? Oh, man. Like, uh, 30. 30. He was 36, dude. He was almost 40. <laughs> but he's a young looking, young looking, like, yeah. 36. Yeah. And he does look like, um, like an athletic team. Yeah, totally does. Um, so, wow, 36. So the other, the other, this movie had, had at, at the time held a world record. So there was some really amazing practical effects and stunts and pyrotechnics in this film. You know that there was there there wasn't a lot of them, but when they were done, they mm-hmm. were done very well. Like mm-hmm. particularly mm-hmm. towards the end, when there's car chases and the and um, Krabs is making his break for the the outside world and steals a cop car and all that stuff. Yep. So there's basically. Um, the 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 world is the the driving is filled full of car wrecks. Um, the car there was four hundred car wrecks used in this film. So mm-hmm. each and each car wreck cost the filmmakers a hundred bucks each, and they used yeah, right. that to you know, cut them in on trucks and all that sort of stuff. So this is why I say there was lots of resources in there for these guys to be able to fix their cars if they actually really truly wanted to get away. But yeah, been given a bullshit utopian story. It's better yeah. in here than it is out there. We've got all the junk food, all the drugs, all the blah, blah, blah. And plus, look, we've got to protect this place against the invaders. That um, when when Krabs get, finally gets you know his way out and he gets caught by the coppers that are coming in, he jumps in a police car. He drives full tilt over uh, a car trailer ramp and shoots yeah. through the neon sign over yeah. the um, ticket booth and onto the S road yeah. where he just and the movie finishes as he's skirting out. That, so cool! That car jump was legitimately done in real time, in real life, in one shoot. It was um, done by an Australian legendary stuntman, uh, Guy Norris. Mate, that um, jump was fifty meters. Jeez. That's an Olympic-sized swimming pool. For our American listeners, that's 163 feet. That was a world record for a car jump at the time. Yeah, yeah. he landed it. (laughs) 
So, um, so that's so. Go back and watch that <laughs> scene again, and watch the, yeah, the yeah. build up. It is like oh, it's incredible. And he shoots straight through that star star drive in neon sign, and it, and the sparks mm-hmm. and the explosions. It was timed mm-hmm. perfectly. That mm-hmm. is an amazing uh, again. Testament. I just want to mention Tarantino and his love of Australian stunt people like look at how after he did um death proof and after he did all his research and worked with zoe bell who's a new zealander um from death proof on you see quite a bit of featuring of the of the stunt performers themselves it's it's almost like when motorhead uh sing we are the road crew quentin tarantino like puts puts the the road normally on the screen in face full front yeah the stunt actors and coordinators who never get any kind of screen time at all. He puts them there right in there. And no wonder he loved this movie because this and Mad Max just excelled and excelled, accelerated with the um, practical stunts, car stunts. And Brian um, Trenchard-Smith was well known for practical, you know, stunts and, um, and throughout his films, particularly in um, that movie, The Man from Hong Kong, there's a scene where this old car blows up out out in the Northern Territory, and there's a shot, and they, they talk about it in not quite Hollywood, where the car blows up, and you see yep. a car door flip off, and it comes flying towards the um, camera, and yep. they show it in slow motion in the documentary. That actually happened and missed the camera crew by about a metre. Oh. Like, literally a metre, and that would have been... Uh, we would be talking about a totally different disaster. But yeah, yeah. This, which also gives this point that filmmaking in the 80s in Australia was dangerous and mm-hmm. awesome and exploitative and all the things that makes it so unique in, you know, in the film world. So For sure. Love it. Speaking about near-death experiences. Yes. Body count. Body count. Uh, the body count of this movie isn't massive, but okay. um, it's I, I think it's about six. And the reason I say it's huh. six is because I'm not quite sure how many people died in the car accident at the start. Mm-hmm. So I gave it about two. Ah. And, then, and then there was um, three coppers and T- Tomo, the warden. They, he, so yep. six. So for runtime for 86 minutes, that gives you kills per minute, which is 0.07 or effectively 14.3 kills. Body count, body count. Okay. okay. Hell, that was good. Here we hey. go. Um, so, listeners, if you get a chance, check out Dead End Drive-In. It's a great example of the next tier down Australian exploitation films. It's post-apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. It has commentary on Australian society. It's also got lots of nods to... Um, Cool films, and then lots of not films that I think that have probably drawn inspiration from it. But it definitely has a cyberpunk, a new romantic synthwave sort of yeah. all the things which are sort of cool now. You know, thanks to Stranger Things and all that bullshit, um, makes <laughs> this movie probably just a slightly bit more cooler. Um, For sure, but really, uh, it's on YouTube. I will post the link so that you can all revel in the uh, the joy of it. Make sure you check out the Mechanations' song "Hearts on Fire." It's also really cool. Check out that film clip, and the trailer is great too because it's actually got a really the soundtrack on the trailer is really edgy. It's got a lot of like samples and stuff in it, which make it sound really cool. So, yep, for sure, absolutely. Oh, it's a great one to watch. So good. So, Marco. 
SO? Uh, we probably wrung this towel out as much as we can. I reckon. So right now, is there anything yes. more you would like to add? Hmm, it is good night for me. Is it? Is it? I can see the daylight outside. Oh, <laughs> good day from me. And good day from him as well. <laughs> It's finished! Who is? Be spared.